Hello, Aaron Newworth here. I had the opportunity to talk to, once again, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead about their latest film, Something in the Dirt, which is now playing in select theaters and will be available to stream on uh, digital and rental VOD soon enough. Um, much like the previous film, Synchronic, it's an original sci-fi tale. Uh, the plot of this one I can read right here. It says, When neighbors John and Levi witness shocking supernatural events in their Los Angeles apartment building, they realize documenting the paranormal could inject some much-needed fame and fortune into their humdrum lives. That's a pretty vague description, but it'll do. Uh, the following interview uh, was just me trying to get a few questions in without trying to spoil too much about the film and just hearing more from these guys because I think they're fascinating filmmakers. So enjoy. Aaron, I have to admit, I'm, I'm kind of struck, really taken by the power of your name. <laughs> it's a, it's I, you know, I've heard good things about it. I, I like uh, it. I, I think you and me know a thing or two about how how good this can work sometimes. So, you yeah. a double letter at the top, like the first letter in the alphabet. What a bold <laughs> choice! I've actually never heard that name before. Is it from the Bible? Is that like a? It, yeah, I'm named after a Moses's brother. Um, it, uh, it works out. He's the uh, real hero. Mo Moses was the, you know, Aaron was the real hero. It helps to be the favorite on everyone's phone list because I'm right at the top. That's that's the yeah. best thing. There. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we actually we talked before when uh, Synchronic was coming out, yeah. um, and I'm pretty sure you guys were making this movie when that was happening because I could like yes. that the hair was very much in place. <laughs> and by the time I got to see this one, I was like, "This this looks very familiar." Especially the apartment, obviously, which I mean, it makes sense. But I, I feel like you guys were in the midst of of, of, of making something in the dirt. Um, I so I saw this movie back in January, and I watched it again this week. Um, I had a question. I'm curious. Are you guys Simpsons fans? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love this. I, I, I watching it this week. I was wondering, like, if there was a thought of if like someone walked in on John and Levi, Levi like filming and whatnot. And it'd be like the, the, the principal Skinner, Superintendent Chalmers scene where it's like, where he says it's Aurora Borealis. This <laughs> 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 can't contained entirely inside of the bed. Anyway. How, how uh, weird is it that, that how much of childhood is defined by the Simpsons for so many people? It, you don't even realize it until you start rewatching old episodes. You're like, Oh my gosh, I say that phrase because of that episode. I, didn't I, even know that. I saw most of Citizen Kane and the Godfather because of the Simpsons before I saw Citizen Kane and the Godfather. So okay. it certainly it makes a lot of sense. And my friend Abe and I, who we host a podcast together, we inadvertently make Simpsons references constantly for those that those golden years. It's like this parallel like like record of reality. Like Grand Theft Auto Five is for LA. There's like Simpsons is just all of reality distilled into like its parody. Exactly. <laughs> um all right, so to talk about this thing, I guess. Yes. Uh, my my first question: Where did you guys find the ashtray? Did you like? Was it like an actual find, or did you like build this ashtray? It's just such a. Obviously, you you depend on it for so much of the film, and it has you know you have to have like a unique kind of shape. Where did you find it somewhere? It's uh, the greatest compliment that you could give to um, our art department is that you think that that is actual discovered ashtray. That was a big concern because the truth is it's designed and manufactured for the movie mm -hmm. by um, Aerovita and, and Katie. Um, Katie Simon. I don't know how I heard last name. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's literally designed and manufactured by them. 
um, and discussions we have, we like do hope that it's like, is this, could this be like, would someone both believe it's an ashtray and then believe it's possibly something more and that it would look like something that's actually found? And you just confirmed it. Thank you. <laughs> it feels that way. You know, you see a lot of like, you know, outside of like, manufacture what well, this was manufactured but like at like realistically manufactured ashtrays you see a lot of like shells or weird rocks or things like that and this did you have like multiple like copies made for the sake of having more than i, yeah. I assume so right for safety well i think there were two one of them was mounted to a um to a clear pole so we could like use it to puppet it so that it floated mm -hmm. and then the other one was for the characters to play around with i don't think our budget supported a third <laughs> so when we broke it we actually just had to break it <laughs> that, that, that was a little scary so sorry so that's a spoiler that's a spoiler never mind <laughs> I, will, I will strike i'll strike this yeah. very part um with that i mean you talk about the budget um i'm just curious as to get a time frame on this were you guys filming did you guys put this together before moon night or was it in between it was stuff? Actually, yeah we did this before archive 81 um, Which so I also I really I really dug RKB. I was I, I'm, I was annoyed that it was that they got rid of it after a season. That's like why it's it was really yeah. intrigued by the show, but yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah the, the bulk of it, the bulk of Prince Photography was before Archive eighty one, but we continued shooting ourselves and the second unit for the next almost exactly a year. I think we had our last day of reshoot our pickup shots was like exactly a year later mm -hmm. after. Archive 81 and after midnight. Yeah. And we'd shot some stuff. We, it was all just little inserts. There's like hundreds of inserts and, and like miniature scenes and stuff like that. Um, just peppered through here and there. We'd shot what we thought was the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> and then we got into the edit and we wanted to expand it drastically. So oh, I want to talk about that too. And I'm curious what that entails, because I'm I'm wondering, was the documentary element was that from the start part of the part of the process or do you find that along the way or it's, it's interesting there's uh so as scripted it's a fake it's a fake documentary so all the talking stuff mm -hmm. that's all obviously scripted yeah it was always in there um the uh in fact everything is in the script except oddly enough anytime there's a cutaway anytime okay. there's a cutaway there's something else mm -hmm. that was when we were in rehearsal we realized that it's like oh that it could be there could be really funny moments of doing that and just generally what they're saying could be more persuasive in some ways by by having these cutaways and and we just became quickly fascinated by the idea but it, that's one of the reasons why photography went for an additional year was was discovering that 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 is the documentary format that the movie should be using it shouldn't just be using cutaways to talking heads or um, or reenactments I should rephrase that a bit because, like, I, I obviously the documentary it's a huge element of the film, but it's more of the like when you guys are building the the story for this film. What did it come from a place of wanting to make a kind of faux documentary to do something along these lines, or was there a concept you wanted to explore and you used the documentary as a, a, a format as like a means to explore those ideas? Yeah, I, I think it started out as something more about like oh, ex like experimentation and documenting the supernatural, and it's like, well, what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a conversation in the film where it's where it's like, well, it can't just be like a podcast and you don't want to just publish raw footage or raw data on the Internet or something. And so, you know, in order to make an impact, 
where people might actually believe that what you are there being presented is a documentation of proof of the supernatural, it would be something like a Netflix documentary. That seems like the, the closest you could get to actually having like a world changing impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was, that was at the core of the movie. Um, in terms of the concept for the film, and I'm not going to you know, ask for meanings and all that. That's, <laughs> that's redundant. Uh, it, it, like, obviously it's leaning on the era uh, that we're in, in various ways, as far as conspiracy theories and going down certain kind of rabbit holes and even other, a variety of other elements. I, I, I want is that, that must be coming from where we are as a society. And I'm, I'm curious in the years since kind of constructing the story for this film, do the ideas that you were going after then, do they apply now? Have they grown in some way or is any, has anything changed as far as your outlook on things? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, part of the conception of this movie was our own self-consciousness of how the ideas presented in our prior films would be received by people. Mm-hmm. That is to say, you know, you develop these science fiction mythologies and you just hope that people take them as purely science fiction or they don't take it, that you, you know, for example, actually believe that um, that uh, some part of the biology of your body relates to the world spiritually in some way, you know, that it, like that you, that, that, uh, that it is all purely like science fiction that you're trying to get people to believe it in a narrative sense, but you don't want them to believe it in an actual literal sense or there's not a rope that just keeps going. If you keep pulling on. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. there's no, yeah. Um, so that, that, that is a part of it. Um, I think that like, since we've made it, that we've, we've in, a, in a funny way, we've done like a deeper dive on things like UFOs. Um, but I, but it's weird. I think that that deep dive on UFOs probably would have happened regardless of making this movie. But you do look back on this movie and and uh, and developing it, and you're like, well, thank God we're not doing it now. It's just the whole thing would have been about UFOs for three months. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah. like whereas at the time, our at the time we were our our um, our weird internet deep dives were 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 luckily very broad at the time, and. Uh, and that we had had like a decade of trying to get made all these movies and a TV show made about Aleister Crowley and some of the ideas of like of like Western Hermeticism and and uh, ancient belief systems did obviously end up in this movie, but uh, but we haven't since like joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. <laughs> it's good good to hear, I suppose. Um, I... <laughs> When you when you're doing research for this kind of thing, does it did, was it like did it become even more nuts than you realized, or was it just like was it entertaining to look into so many different areas? Researching this film on every level was the most fun we've ever had researching okay. the project, without a doubt, because it was uh, because the, the the theories that go down are so broad, mm-hmm. you could just chase down anything you found interesting, and there might be a way to plug it into the movie. And that kind of shotgun approach was was helpful for us, as opposed to feeling like really unstructured and, and manic. Um, and uh, and actually, one of the greatest discoveries of of, uh, of chasing down different things was uh, was actually in the edit. We had to find a whole bunch of public domain photos and video, and become experts in copyright law and, and all of that because um, we, we didn't have money to pay for any of this stuff. This is all public domain or or you know stock footage that we were able to affordably license. Um, and I'll tell you, 
you find some insane stuff in the bowels of the internet when it comes to public domain, like what was happening around the turn of the century. You find some really wild stuff. Um, like I, I, I remember stumbling on some footage of, I think it was somewhere in Griffith Park, like alligators sliding down like a water slide. And uh, I, I also remember I found a, a public service announcement called The City that was so well shot it was one of them, the, it could have won an Oscar. It was, it was somehow like, they just got like some master cinematographer to go shoot a public service announcement. And you just can't believe how good it looks. Um, little things like that, or finding, finding um, the image of Thompson, the, uh, the, the, the guy wearing kind of the Freemason apron. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding that image was like a lightning bolt, but you were also wading through a lot of potential Thompsons. And it gets strange because everyone you're looking at is dead. It's like it's tempting to like ask more about like what's going on, regardless of my own thoughts on things. But it's just I, I like, do you guys feel precious about that kind of thing when it comes to making these movies? Like, for one thing, you 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 reference calling it science fiction. I'm curious if you're even precious, but it doesn't seem like it. As far as you're making movies that are specifically science fiction, like or like I know some directors ne- don't necessarily want to assign a genre to it because they want to think more of like yeah, it's just a movie we made. Like, is that mm-hmm. is it? important to you to keep a certain level of ambiguity involved or do you do you ever i'm sure you have answers to like certain questions people would have but does it it make sense to like hold back ambiguity is not 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 really i don't think it's really important to to either one of us um but something interesting though is that uh is that when we first started making these films and working together there was never discussions at all about about genre because we didn't have to know how to talk about it mm-hmm. we were just going out and making one and didn't know if anyone would ever even see it and so you're, you're making we made this uh, our first movie resolution and that movie is whatever you want to call the genre we're still in that genre whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that mm-hmm. but there was no discussion and i think as time has gone on and we've um we've had to learn about talking about our films uh we're eager to call them sci-fi or horror genre, whatever you want to call them. Um, proud of that tradition and all those things, but but really, once we get into putting a name on it, it's because we had to learn how to talk about it. There was a time where we didn't, <laughs> not out of not out of desire for ambiguity or a resistance to um, wanting to label our films, we just never had to, mm-hmm. or there was no no utility to it at all. Uh, it makes a lot it makes a lot of sense of like the endless or like like spring is like it's pretty heavily like a lovecraftian romance movie i mean that's like like an easy way to pigeon it but i mean even then well this is a good point though Uh when when spring was written we did not know who lovecraft was okay so it's weird you learn how to talk about the film and Mm -hmm. you go it's lovecraftian romance um I just finished, uh, and I handed it to Aaron, I just finished Alan Moore's, probably maybe his last graphic novel. Now he's, I think now he's primarily a novelist. They did a, they did a film project not that long ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but is the, the last gra- the, the last set of graphic novel comic books that he wrote, it's called Providence. Mm-hmm. The back describes it as the watchman of horror. And I, I would not disagree with that. It's a, it's a genius piece of work, like everything he does. Um, but that book is a really deep dive into Lovecraft really really deep dive of every story who he was as a man where those ideas came from and um after reading that book i now feel like i'm justified in calling my own movie lovecraftian romance because now i actually know what that means totally but i didn't know that until i finished that book last week 
<laughs> so, I mean, even when we were like, even when we were talking, you know, we do stuff like this for spring. I was like, yeah, it's a Lovecraftian romance. If someone was like, namely, name me three Lovecraft stories. Like, um, like, Reanimator. Uh, it's not called Reanimator. It's called Doctor What. Okay. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I just start naming movies I can make me think of. Um, it is interesting though. It's interesting, and also it's interesting that like the the result of us trying to, the result of us resisting trying to do what's um what's familiar to us like early on it'd be like we don't want to tell a zombie story we don't want to tell a vampire story we don't want to tell a ghost story all these things and then you end up kind of creating these mythologies and do you want these mythologies to hopefully feel like they exist before human history in some way and then you end up unintentionally making lovecraftian cosmic horror mm. but and you never intended but it's you know, the best way to talk about it that's why i find it intriguing seeing you guys you know, balancing your thing as far as making your own independent films uh, versus like jumping onto something like the Marvel universe or what have you and applying you know, what, what those learned skills are into this kind of whole other atmosphere. Uh, and I, I look for, I, I was informed by the trailer that you guys are on Loki season two. So I'm like, I want to know what that's going to look like. But um, uh, last, uh, last question, I guess, before I gotta, gotta go here, but uh, I, I asked this on synchronic too, but like, are there any specific connections um, with resolution and, and the endless with this film? Were there any uh, universe crossover stuff going on there? Um, this film uh, is, is much more strongly connected to the world of spring of, of the endless and resolution than spring and synchronic work. Um, it's a film that has been so designed to be watched multiple times. Mm -hmm. And uh, you probably, a lot of people will catch it on the first time. You know, we've, we've been to some Q and A's now people raise their hands. They're pretty excited. Like, did I catch that? And we, we, it's funny because we we're thinking we're being maybe a little too obvious, um, but everyone catches something different. And, uh, and there's, there's probably, 30 or 40 little touch points and not just Easter eggs. Like there's actually a thematic thing too, that, uh, that I'm kind of curious if people are, are once they've been able to replay the movie and rewind it and kind of like, like observe, I wonder if there's a, if someone will land on the theory of why we did connect this movie to the endless. Um, that I, I, I'm curious because it's a deep one. So well, I'll be curious to find that out as far as I like I I've, as I said, I've seen it twice and it's this kind of thing where I'm like I'm not I'm, I'm enjoying watching it but I'm not watching it like for fun necessarily I'm watching it because I have to review it for Sunday so I have to watch it because sure. I have to make sure to be at this interview and I want to take my notes but I want to be able to just like have like a I'm going to watch this movie because I want to watch it right now and then I can kind of delve in on that level. Um, I know I probably got to go, but guys, it's been very nice talking to you once again. Um, I really, I really like this movie. Um, it's uh, it, it, just the the ingenuity that's that's involved in, in making just kind of this contained film that has so many things bursting out of it. Just that's the kind of thing that fascinates me when it comes to to science, to science, like whatever you want to call it. Just, but seeing something original uh, coming my way, so I appreciate it. I look forward to whatever you guys are throwing up next in the. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. No, for sure. Happy thanks for, you know, <laughs> humoring some of my questions and my Simpsons references. All right. Thank Take you. Take care. Good name. <laughs>